Hi and welcome to the ComicRush.com's first uh, YouTube experience. Um, I'm your host Paul as always. Normally we would do this as a podcast but we're shifting to video for this. Um, I'm here with Liz. Hello. Returning co-host um, from a way back I'm sure many of you remember. Um, today we are going to be talking about WandaVision which is the MCU's first TV show um, streaming now on Disney Plus, episodes one and two. Uh, that went live yesterday. So if you haven't caught it yet, don't watch this. Uh, go and watch that first. We will invariably give away spoilers, sometimes inadvertently, sometimes on purpose. But we don't want to ruin the experience for you. So do go and watch that show now. It's a really good show. At least I think it is. We'll see what Liz thinks in a minute. Um, but yeah, MCU's first show. Just going to remind you, you can follow The Comic Crush at The Comic Crush on Twitter, at The Comic Crush on Instagram. And you can find us on Facebook, uh, thecomiccrush.com page. Um, you can go there. We update every day nearly with new articles, new um podcasts uh news it's a very curated look at comics so uh if you like that stuff it's not one of those channels where you get every single thing that's happening in comics but it is kind of a nicely curated look even if i do say so myself we'd appreciate your support on the patreon you can find that on the website and you can also buy something from our web store where we sell single issues single copies of um, new number ones, um, all of that helps support the channel. So uh, without further ado, we're going to jump right into WandaVision. Liz, going in, what were you expecting from this? Because, I, I mean, I, I kind of got something along the lines of what I was expecting, but there were quite a few surprises. So going into this, the first MCU show, um, did the experience live up to what you were expecting? Uh, well, I think it's a really interesting choice for a first MCU show um, because it is such a departure from what you get from the films. Um, basically, you know, the films, I, I really don't think you could do anything like this with the movies. And I like that it takes this totally different tack and basically, you know, goes out there with, you know, its own complete identity and saying, like, the rules all change as soon as, you know, it becomes a Disney Plus show we can tell really different kinds of stories from what people yeah. think they've come to expect from the movies. Anybody who accuses Marvel movies of being homogenous, um, it's it's kind of going out and saying, well, you know what, those rules don't apply. We can do whatever we want, um, which I really loved about it. Hmm. And I think one of the important things that it does, because if you look at the relationship between um, Wanda and the Vision um, in the movies, you kind of start with this thing where they're they, they start off kind of as adversaries in Age of Ultron. You then jump and they're kind of pals in Civil War. And then by the time you get to Infinity War, they're lovers. But you haven't seen that relationship really grow in, in any kind of full way because of the way the movies are done. Um, because of things that get cut out from, you know, as they, they sort of edit the films and things. But I, I don't think that relationship was really given a lot of space, which is something Marvel does a lot, actually. They, they take 
big leaps in the relationships. You know, obviously the critical one is, for me, was Bucking, where you, I wasn't necessarily convinced in Winter Soldier that it was such a wound for, for Cap because, right. you I know, the rest of the given enough yeah, going from the first Cap movie to yeah. Winter Soldier, a lot of people, you know, almost didn't recognize Bucky to begin with. You know, people who didn't have a comics background, you know, um, didn't didn't make that connection right away. Um, I think it's because they are such big action stories that sometimes the, like, romantic relationships and things like that get short shrift as far as, like, how much they'll be able to spend time developing them. Um, but as, as like definitely applies to Scarlet Witch and the vision. Um, so, you know, I think to be able to give them like a story like this and make you understand, you know, because even in the comics, they're kind of a weird relationship where it's like, oh, okay, so he's a robot and she's an all powerful witch and they're married or they're together or, you know, uh, I think you need to see some of that development to really buy it. Um, you know, particularly with him being the vision, being, you know, essentially a sentient robot. Yeah. You know. Which they, they kind of, they, they they move him into this sort of human form in in Infinity War, which we hadn't seen before. Right. Um, and you, at first, I thought, when, you, when you're looking at that scene where they're, they're kind of just walking down the street together, that was for the benefit of anyone who might see them. Just, you know, the, right. the Joe public. But he, he also keeps that form when they're alone together, um, which was quite in interesting because previously he hadn't. Uh, and obviously in this, you see him shedding that form um, quite a few times when he's alone with Wanda. So I kind of wonder what the think wonder wonder what the thinking was there. Um, but yeah, the, the relationship did kind of. Although it's not a surprise to anyone who's read the comics, because of course they have a long-standing, as you say, they have a long-standing relationship. It, it kind of did sideswipe me a bit in Infinity War, just a little, because it's just like, oh, okay, I guess this is just the thing, and it, and it seems to to be there almost to serve the fact that by the time you get to um, Endgame, you know, someone's got to be really angry with Thanos enough to to take him down and that, that was kind of an interesting thing but there is a thing in the movies where the writers and i know the russos especially are very much this thing won't happen until we need it to happen so you, you know um you, you know cap doesn't learn about bucky until he needs to learn about bucky there won't be this reveal until it absolutely needs to be this reveal because their problem is, is then you've got to shift through tons and tons of backstory. Right. And I think in a way, what the TV shows allow them to do is to have that, have a kind of backstory, even though it's as far as we know, retroactive, which is something I kind of want to get into as we, we talk about it. But like overall, I'm, I'm, I'm really impressed with the show. Um, like the first couple of episodes. Yeah, uh, it's definitely again. It was kind of as weird as I expected it to be, given the trailers and things and, and all the rumor stuff that we'd heard. But also beyond what I expected it to be, so I, I'm kind of really happy having watched it. Um, now, when you said uh, 
you said you wanted to get into the fact that like you know supposedly retroactive now well, here's here's the thing so I, i'm gonna spout off a few of my kind of fan theories if you like um sorry they're probably all going to be wrong because I, invariably nine times out of ten i'm always wrong <laughs> um, <That's> but, <laughs> no 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 <laughs> not about quality of taste list come on <laughs> just about fan theories I, i'm not as immersed as in you as uh, uh in the mcu or marvel comics uh you, you know which is why you're here you're here to be the expert and the, the voice of um comics reason I think, and <laughs> for the first time ever, you're the voice of reason. Um, no. <laughs> but you don't know when this is taking place. You're not given an indication, really, because of this time setting, that this isn't taking place between Civil War and Infinity War, for example. You don't know. You don't. That's true. Um, it's certainly not the world as we know it and not the world as they know it. Um, but you're not told that it, it's taking place in any particular point in time in the, the series. We're just assuming going in, oh, well, well, you know, the last time we saw Scarlet Witch, she was kicking um, Thanos' ass all over the place. And the last time we saw Vision, he was dead. Right. So... But, you know, we're not really given an indication that this is taking place after those stories. And I was wondering what you thought about that. Do you have an, an idea? I, mean, I have a very strong opinion of what this is a riff on, um, which, you know, inevitably we were going to talk about because I'm sure everybody's going to talk about it. But, um, you know, very obviously to me, this is their little riff on House of M. Um, right. You know sort of, you know, early Bendis, um, Vision kills the, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch kills the Vision, rather, um, loses it, and, you know, basically uh, imagines her into reality these, like, these two children um, who, you know, she then feels she has to protect by creating this whole warped reality around her to support this fantasy that's going on in her head. Um, so we all know, you know, if you know the Scarlet Witch, she has the power to warp all of reality. Now, we don't really know if that's what this is per se, or if this is all just taking place inside her head. But um, my suspicion is this is the fantasy that she's created for herself after the Vision's death, which she did have to, you know, be the one to kill him um, mm -hmm. in Infinity War. Um, so her form of escapism is to create this idyllic, you know, 1950s, 1960s sitcom world, you know, where everything is nice and everything is happy and they're a couple and everything's as she ever dreamed it might be. Um, so to me, that's, that's the main storyline I can see that they are borrowing from even though House of M is very different, it kind of brings in all the different characters from, you know, the X-Men and the Avengers, and they're all living in this alternate fantasy where they've got totally different lives. That doesn't seem to be the case here, although there are, uh, there is at least one familiar face um, from, you know, uh, Marvel stories past that we've met in a different Marvel movie. 
Sure. Uh, which Monica Rambo. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing is, so we, so we know that possibly then that it is set in in a sort of recent time because obviously when we last saw Monica Rambo, she was just sort of about five years old, six years old, something like that. Very young kid, uh, way back in in Captain Marvel, which is set in the nineties. One of the interesting things I noticed about, um, I've been rereading House of M. You may mm-hmm. recognise this copy, Liz. Ah, uh, that's because it's, it's my copy. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been rereading this today, and one of the interesting things that leapt out of out of me this time reading it is that for a large part of this book, Wonder is absent. She actually oh, yeah. doesn't feature in the story. Uh, nearly as much as you would think. She's the catalyst for the story, but she's mm. not, you know, as far as playing a huge role in it, um, she kind of, you know, is there as like, you know, um, a catalyst and then she's there for sort of the end cap of the story. But um, it's still very, it's still one of those stories that I always associate as being about the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Even though she actually plays a fairly small role in the sort of central plot. And also she, it's assumed in the book that she has reset reality. You don't actually really know that 100% because you never actually see her do or say, at least at the beginning, you know, incite a kind of inciting spell or do something that... No, well, yeah, she's doing it subconsciously. She's mm. no, she doesn't even realise that that's what she's doing. Um, you know, she's so sort of like enmeshed in this fantasy that she's created for herself that it's she believes it, it's real. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so it wasn't like a conscious choice where she, you know, sort of stood up with her magic wand and said, you know, oh, I'm going to change all of reality. I think it just, it, it was very sort of insidious the way it sort of spread out to everyone else. Yeah. And it's a fascinating story, and it's but it's um, I'm, I'm really enjoying rereading it. Um, it's really good. Oh, it's like one of my real all-time favorite Marvel event books. And we'll get to uh, another comic, which I'm I'm sure everyone will know what comic we're going to deal with. Um, that that has uh, a very much seemed to have an influence on this, um, especially by the time we get to the end of episode two. I've got a little theory though that. I'm not sure it is just House of M they're riffing on. Okay. Because I, I seem to remember there was a story, and it is a story I haven't read, I have to say, not being the biggest Marvel reader. I'm more of a fan of the Marvel movies. I've said that many times um, on podcasts and things. But I seem to remember there was a um, crossover event, a small, like a fairly small crossover event, was it Pleasant Hill? Oh, um, yeah. What was the actual name of that uh, event? Oh, yeah. The Pleasant Hill thing was, um, oh, God, what was it called? It was from a couple of years ago. Yeah, uh, and it's completely vanished now um, because I think it was kind of coming to an end just as... as yeah, it was like an storyline. Brought in, like, Baron Zemo and stuff. Now, one of the interesting things about that is it deals with a constructed reality that is a suburb yep. in America where they they house a lot of the sort of more dangerous supervillains by convincing them that they are 
kind of just living in this suburb, right? That they're not really in a prison. And it's a prison designed by S.H.I.E.L.D. And I wonder if they've kind of just flipped the, the instigators for this and it's not S.H.I.E.L.D. It might be... And also, this is what made me kind of think, is it Hydra, is it... Because we've, we've had some indications that there may be the hand of, of Hydra and even... Oh, yeah, I mean, you, you remember the little, the little commercials and things. Yeah. Strucker watch with the yeah. Hydra logo on it. Um. Yeah, that was that was also, um, and, and I yeah, I wonder if they're maybe using Wanda's powers, um, to to kind of create this artificial reality for their own purposes, um, because also we now have you have a bunch of characters who are, seem to be asking Wanda for help. We want you, you seem to be trapped somewhere, and they don't they they know they're in an artificial reality, and yet they can't get out they've they seem to have embraced it a lot more fully than wandering the vision have um but you kind of have to wonder is is it some sort of prison like that that's kind of what i thought as i was uh, um kind of watching that especially that second episode well yeah with the second episode you get the feeling that there's like some you know external forces you know, with the uh, the whole scene at the beginning with the banging of the tree on the window mm. and then later on uh, with the pothole, uh, yes. which was... Now, I'm not sure if that's supposed to be like an AIM uniform or something or... That very much looks like an AIM uniform, doesn't it? it, it, it yeah. But... And, and we've seen AIM before in uh, Iron Man 3, um, but I think that's one of the only times we ever see AIM. Um I don't remember them coming back. I know the the, the real Mandarin is very much going to feature later on, who was also in Iron Man 3. Uh, not in this show, but in, in Shang-Chi and in, in this sort of phase of Marvel stuff. So I wonder if, if AIM are perhaps going to end up being the big threat this time round, along with the Mandarin. Maybe, you know, like you know, I... Maybe like, they're going to do it for real this time. <laughs> maybe. Um, <laughs> Because I yeah I I hadn't really considered a sort of you know Pleasant Hill type scenario at all to be honest but um it could make sense I mean that somehow like you know it's it's within some sort of controlled you know contained setting that she's having these fantasies and that's why you know only certain characters feature instead of the entire MCU and having it you know have rippled out to everyone. Although we do hear, uh, in, in, again, in that second episode, um, the voice of, I think it's uh, Rhodey. Like, I, I listening to that voice, it's like, oh, man, that, that really sounds like Don Cheadle. Um, and we hear his voice calling out to Wanda, but we, we're not, we don't see him anywhere. We don't necessarily um, get a sense that he's actually really there. And all of that stuff is very much... It's very much ghost in the machine stuff. So he's calling out from an old wireless radio. Um, and Vision himself is is the ghost in the machine. You know, he's the, the spirit of Jarvis, the spirit of Ultron. He's Tony. He's all fused together in, in this sort of robotic, organic robotic body. So that's a, I thought that was a nice kind of playthrough on, on the themes. Um and, and I, I really like that, but I'm, I'm kind of my mind is buzzing of, of over what, what could this be? What's going on? Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, you know, well, it, it's at this point, it's kind of you know, you there, there are different you know kind of theories you can play with and everything. Um, I think it's a given that this is Wanda, you know, 
creating this fantasy world. You know, okay. it's her it's her powers, you know, that have sort of built a fantasy, you know, for her, you know, with her lost love, you know, sort of the, you know, what if scenario, oh, this is what my life should have been, you know, and now we've gotten to the point at the end of episode two, where she's pregnant, uh, which is very, oh. very like, you know, oh, okay, so, you know, I, I'm going to just be really mad if they don't make it the twins, you know, who both end up <laughs> featuring as, you know, characters that we come to know and love later uh, in comics. Right. And it would be, you know, them making a trick big time if they don't, you know, in my opinion. And again, I, I don't know too much about those two characters because I only know a little bit from House of M. Okay, well, those two characters end up uh, being uh, members of the Young Avengers team. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. What right. what the character names? Um, Teddy Kaplan and uh, Tommy. I can't remember his last name, but like you know, they end up being like you know brothers separated at birth. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which very much yeah. growing up without Wanda because Wanda's out of the con comics for ages after after you know basically House of M. Right. She just kind of you know is off the map for like I don't know ten or fifteen years worth of comics for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and we did get a Scarlet Witch series back in, I want to say, 2016, 2017. We got a short-lived um, Scarlet Witch miniseries. Yeah, she sort of came back in a Young Avengers storyline um, called oh. Children's Crusade. And, you know, was sort of then accepted back, like, gradually, you know, because everyone was pretty mad at her for, you know... Uh, many reasons <laughs> ruining their lives yeah. yes among other terrible reasons but uh yeah she uh she then sort of gradually got brought back in and she was part of um rick remender's avengers team when he was writing that book um so she's been back for a while uh you know as a good guy but she's yeah. one of those characters who I, the reason I love the Scarlet Witch, she's one of my favorite female Marvel characters is because she kind of treads that line and she always has, you know, she was always kind of, you know, she's Magneto's daughter and, you know, so she's sort of a baddie to begin with, but then the Avengers make her part of the team. And so she's always kind of flip-flopped a little. She's always kind of tread the line between, you know, villainy and superheroism. And, uh, you know, and that's what makes her kind of interesting to me, you know. And uh, so the fact that they could make her the catalyst for something terrible, you know, is, uh, you know, isn't surprising. It works. But then, you know, you also want to root for her as, you know, as, as coming back with the good guys. So, uh, sure. so that's where I kind of think they might be going with this stuff in the comics. We know that she's going to feature in uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, but to what extent, we don't know. We don't know whether she's going to be a good guy or a bad guy. And we know that stuff is going to connect to um, Spider-Man. I don't know what it's going to be called. But we know the multiverse stuff is going to connect there if rumours are to be believed about all the casting and, and things like that. Um, but it's whether or not they bring in those guys for five minutes or for half an hour, you know, how, how much I always, you know, wonder sort of how much a lot of that stuff is actually going to be a major part of the storyline or how much is it just going to be a throwaway thing? Because I think one of the interesting things about the MCU is their ability to take longstanding characters and drop names and, and drop hints and just 
very quickly fire it off and it's done and it's dealt with. Uh, and a lot of it is kind of calling back to the comics and is, if you want to use the term fan service, it is fan service. But it, it's done well, you know. Um, and I, I don't know how much this will then bleed through, but it does seem to be, I, I wrote about this for the site um, a few weeks back, it does seem to be kind of the thing that's going to set up phase four, right? And, and the way it's going to kind of all all kind of bleed out. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how it would affect something like, say, Shang-Chi or, I mean, Moon Knight, it might definitely bleed into because you have a guy who can't really perceive reality in the same way as, as we do, and especially not his own individual reality. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, I, I thought it was a great kind of opening couple of episodes. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't think of anything I didn't enjoy. I love the fact that effectively you get an episode of Bewitched and then you get an episode of I Love Lucy. And right. the situations that they find themselves in are very much sitcom situations. It's got to impress the boss who's coming over for dinner, um, got to impress the neighbours, and, and they all kind of bleed into that thing of fitting in. Right. Which, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you sort of mentioned, oh, there's a very obvious book that we're going to mention, yada, yada, yada. Uh, um, I'm saying that you're talking about Tom King's uh, The Vision yeah. uh, with uh, Gabriel Hernandez-Walta from uh, a couple of years ago, which is a fantastic, fantastic book. And that is very much um, about, you know, Everyone the that, but that's, yeah, fantastic. Uh, the character of, you know, The Vision uh, moving to the suburbs and trying to fit in, you know, with the neighbors in, you know, idyllic American suburbia mm. um, with, you know, wife, kids, dog, etc. Well, yeah, the, the key thing to point out there is the, the families of Vision's creation. Um, they're very much the, the robots that he has um, sort of um ask Tony Stark to help him create so he can have a family. And in, in a way, it's kind of a big experiment. But that also makes me think that I, I remember back in Infinity War when um Shuri was talking about and Banner was were talking about that there will still be vestiges of the vision left. Right. So I wonder how much is still was still in the kind of computer banks in Wakanda. Do you know right. what I mean? So I, again, my mind is kind of buzzing with, ah, oh, has the vision created somehow this? Right. I mean, yeah, that's actually a possibility I hadn't really considered. Like, you know, I mean, you know, in my mind, it's been very much like Wanda. This is all, you know, Wanda's creation. But and I'm sure like, you uh, will be their capabilities to do that mm. in a way i mean she, she i think he wouldn't be able to create the alternate reality that she's built mm. you know with the sitcom and everything like that but as far as the you know idyllic suburban you know life um you know that's something he was willing to artificially create as well yeah um, I, I mean i i don't know i mean the, 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 one of the reasons why I think it is, it's entirely possible it might be the Vision's creation is that it's a media-based 
environment. It's not like they've gone and created real life. What they've created was always an artifact. Uh, so one of the fascinating things about that I kind of realized as I grew and watched American sitcoms was they are entirely artificial. So when people open their front doors, you're not looking out at a real street, you're looking out at a painted backdrop. Uh, and, and that occurs today in a lot of soap operas. I mean, when I, I was sort of in school and we used to come home and watch Neighbours and things, you would see this painted backdrop or photographed backdrop. And I, I wonder if, if it was the Scarlet Witch's version it would be based on a real environment or, or situations they'd actually lived in, places they'd lived. But being the visions, he's kind of sampled a media-based kind of life yeah, because he doesn't know how to, how, yeah, how to replicate real life. He got as far as replicating a human body, mm -hmm. but would he really know what? real life is i don't know i'm you know again i'm just i'm just firing <laughs> crap off yeah, no i like it i like it um so that that kind of has got me thinking um yeah there's a lot there's a lot to kind of unpack and, and look at it um but i i'm i kind of love the way that in, in addition to a very satisfying mcu show you also got to satisfying sitcom episodes yeah, and then but both of them like you know with their each had this little really dark moment in it mm. you know um you know you had the the all the fun of the sitcom episode but then something that was like oh okay that just chilled me to the bone like you know um you know when for when she first starts to see color in the second episode yeah. Um, and you just know something's wrong. You get this, like, you know, I mean, I think because it is, you know, sort of the juxtaposition of, like, you know, the sort of, like, light sitcom and then this, you know, oh, okay, you see that something's not right. You know, it's it's all the more jarring for that. Um, and uh, in the first episode, it was when the boss is choking. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the work is constantly repeating. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah, which is uh, very unsettling, as you say. Yeah. Um, and in the so second, I, we get... we're going to start to see probably more and more of that as it goes. Yeah. Which, you um, know, I, I, I just think it's really great storytelling. It's like, you know, because you can get totally lost in the sitcom episode itself, but, you know, the way they're telling you, like, oh, okay, things are, things are not as they seem, you know, mm. is done in very deft little strokes, you know. So did you know that originally uh, the show runners, I think, or the director talked to Dick Van Dyke? Um, they had like a, a, a long meeting with Dick Van Dyke over kind of what are the beats you want to hit for sitcoms oh, um, and things like that. Uh, and in fact, they I think they filmed on the studio that was either Bewitched or... Um, I Love Lucy was originally filmed on. So they've, they've, they, they're kind of sampling that stuff, but with love and with care and attention to detail, which I really like. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know what? Cause I got, I got some of the Dick Van Dyke show in, you know, cause I, I'm guessing it was kind of an amalgamation of different, you know, 1950s, mm. 
60s sitcoms with like you know the obvious ones being bewitched and yeah. I, I, I did very much feel the first one was bewitched. yeah and the second one was i love lucy um and the, the, the situations in in those were the kind of situations you'd find specifically in those those sitcoms now of course next we're moving into the 70s Mm-hmm. Uh, which is kind of an interesting time for, for those sort of shows because that's when they would have started to come down more down to earth. And I think some of the artifacts would have started to drop away. So that's kind of interesting to me. I wonder what we're going to see in, in the next the next episode. Um, just in terms of the performances, I, I really liked um, Elizabeth Olsen's kind of performance. When did she drop the accent? Well, um, I think that she starts to kind of lose it in Infinity War, at least. Right. And I think it starts to change in Civil War. But I mean, yeah, I was never a fan of her having that accent. I just thought it was really unnecessary. And like, well, I mean, I guess they've gone with this whole like, oh, well, she's Sokovian. And, you know, Uh, but the accents I really never thought did any favors for her or Aaron Taylor Johnson. I quite like, like them. Like I, I really, I, I was not really, a fan. I just thought because, like, hers particularly, I didn't think was very good. Um, I think she's a very good actress, but I thought the accent was terrible. Like, uh, so <laughs> I'm really happy to see the back of it. Right. Um, okay. I, I always quite like them, and I, I actually did, especially like Aaron Taylor Johnson's. Um, well, I thought his was better than hers, but you know. <laughs> now, did you know? Okay, totally different tangent. But did you know Evan Peters is supposed to be in this? Yes. And I, I was going to be really curious. I, to see I remained really spoiler free. So I have no idea what they're going to do with him. Well, but but I think they've managed to keep a lid on the spoilers. Like you've seen what they what they want you to see. Like just before this got released, I think they, re- they brought out every day there was a promo, a new promo for it. Right. Um, and. I stopped trying to keep up in the end. It was just like, okay, I've seen a couple of trailers now. I'm just going to wait for the show. We're so close to release day. But literally from about the 10th, 9th, 10th of January, it was just promo every day. Different promo, different promo, different promo. Uh, Some of which was kind of interviews with the cast. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with Evan Peters. My money is on... What is your money on? Pietro, I, I think he's going to be. I like because I'm, you know, I've always been really burned up about the fact that they just killed off Quicksilver, like you know, just like that, yeah. just on post. Uh, because I actually really like Quicksilver as a character, and you know, was just mad yeah. that that was it, like you know, and um, basically, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would be you know incredible if they actually find a way to now just segue into Evan Peters being. Quicksilver and he's just back and I mean because she could wish it into reality you know and it's like oh okay well he's back you know looks a little different yeah I mean I, I guess maybe it was easier for them to, to get Evan Peters than it was Aaron Taylor Johnson I don't know probably I'm sure I, I don't you know I don't think uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson has expressed any particular interest in being back you know and people loved uh, Evan Peters as Quicksilver yeah he was really good I, I really enjoyed him in those movies um and, and also, they, it's weird because they kept a lid on some of the other actors that you think they wouldn't really keep a lid on. Emma Caulfield was only right. kind of allowed to reveal like a, a few days before that she was going to be in the show. Right. It makes me wonder, is she going to be playing um, 
you know, obviously someone other than she actually is. I mean, you know, all the characters in it seem to be someone other than they are. But, you know, is it going to be a major Marvel character? They kind of just... Yeah, I mean, I love Emma Caulfield, you know, so that was like a huge treat for me just hearing that she was going to be in it. Uh, so I'd love if they were, you know, actually sort of building her up to be, you know, somebody identifiable from the Marvel Universe. And there's a character called Agatha Harkness, who I've heard that Agnes... Agnes the really? Oh, wow. I don't know, though. Because she seems she seems as trapped as anyone else. And yet yeah, does seem to be functioning as a kind of guide for... One. Oh, yeah. She also seems kind of quite happy to be trapped there. Mm. Which, you yeah. know, that, that would actually... You know, I didn't make that connection. Um, but that would be pretty interesting. Um, so, you know... Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't, you know, really considered whether those supporting characters were going to have any greater significance, really. Like, um, but it seems, you know, beyond Monica Rambeau, obviously, mm. um, whose name I think is, I think she's called Geraldine. Yeah. In the show so far. So, I mean, everybody's obviously got a different name to what their actual name is, apart from Vision and Wanda. I have, mm. So, you know, uh, it could be that they're, you know, anybody. I love how no one, no one questions the fact that he's called Vision. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's all part of the real weird world that they're in. You know. <laughs> no one goes. Oh, that's an unusual name. <laughs> European. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really loving it. I, I love Paul Bettany's kind of. Um, sitcom heavy performance I, I think he plays that stuff quite well and i think he's having the time of his life doing that yeah i mean you see him like you know the the scene where he's got the gum in the works and he's you know he's acting like he's drunk at the magic show he uh, great. thought he was going to get fired apparently like i don't know if that's just sort of hyperbole on his part but he, he said when he got the call to come in and, and kind of do the talk about the show he thought they were calling him to say, that is it. You're definitely never coming back. You're done. Um, so he was he was thrilled that he, he got a whole show out of it. Um, it's my understanding that this is just going to be the one season. Right. Which, you know, I think with a lot of these shows, you know, they may or may not need more than one season. But, you know, uh, because I think it's, it's a different kind of storytelling to even what the Marvel Netflix were, you know, where they yeah. exist within their own little corner of the Marvel Universe. This is supposed to just be, you know, in support of the overall MCU, you know? So it's almost like stories that take place between films and that sort of thing um, that, you know, do kind of matter um, if you watch them or not, you know, to how much you're gonna get out of the movies. Whereas with the Marvel Netflix stuff, you know, there really was very little connection. You know, it was its own dark corner you know, where they could kind of just, you know, keep churning out seasons, you know, with those same characters, because that's the only place you were going to see them. You weren't going to see them in the films. So. Although now there is some talk of, of uh, some of those characters kind of making their way, especially Charlie Cox's Daredevil may show up in She-Hulk, may show up in Spider-Man. Um, they're, they're saying... You know, I mean, it, yeah. I think I think, you know, there's sort of contractual reasons why maybe they couldn't use those characters again right away. But uh, it would be a real shame if they don't bring them back in some form. 
Yeah, I, I think it'd be a waste, especially for me. Like, I'd love to see Luke Cage make a comeback, and um, I'd love to see more of Iron Fist because I actually quite enjoyed those. Uh, I more Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to see the Punisher become the Punisher rather than. Oh, he was the Punisher. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, I, I just they left uh, it. They left it with him as the Punisher. Done. I don't know. You've got, you've got two seasons of Punisher Begins, and it's just like, okay, I'm done with this now. Right, I it's great. Whatever, man. <laughs> I'm glad we can stay true to form and disagree on something, please. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I really would love more Punisher, and I, you know, would love more Daredevil. Um, those, those were the two standout shows for me of, of all of them. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I'd feel pretty robbed if that never comes to pass. Yeah, me too. I, I think I'd like to see some those guys slowly be integrated, and of course, Disney is adding a more sort of adult element to their streaming. You've got Star coming in sort of mid or late February, which is going to be the kind of more adult end of Disney's material, and all the Fox stuff, so Aliens and all that kind of stuff is going to be coming onto that, all the stuff they can't show on Disney because Disney Plus, I think the rule is nothing can be above a PG-13 for Disney Plus. So, yeah, that, that's fair. I mean, it is aimed more at kids, so you've got to be, be careful there. Um, and, of course, we have Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming soon in March. Something else I know you're excited about. We're maybe going to talk about yeah, those. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, uh, you know in our Patreon conversation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm loving this. I, I think we've got a really potentially exciting, fun, different show um, on here. It's going to, as you say, serve the wider Marvel universe rather than like the Netflix shows we've just seen to serve themselves. Um, and it's great that they're using these different avenues to kind of tell the overall broader story um but I, I really enjoyed this definitely tuning in next friday for more um liz do you want to come back and, and talk about the next episode <laughs> i would love to cool that's great I'd, I'd love to have you back on and and hopefully we can we can talk about whatever's coming next for for marvel um but yeah we're going to leave it there thank you so much guys for tuning in as i said at the beginning you can support us on Patreon. We'd be really grateful. Um, the Patreon tiers start at, at sort of two pounds a month. They're really cheap. You get bonus audio and video content for that. Um, if you want to go up a tier, you get comics. You get a, a, a sort of quarterly comics mail out to you. Um, so I'll send you a brand new number one comic for you to maybe start a new series or just you know read a one shot story. Um, you can find that all on the website, thecomiccrush.com. You can follow us at The Comic Crush on Twitter and Instagram. You can find The Comic Crush page on Facebook. Liz, can people follow you anywhere? Uh, I am on Twitter at Liz C. Jordan. Cool. And you can find Liz there and catch up with her and her views on, on comics and things, uh, which I'm sure she'll be happy to tell you. Liz, it's been fantastic. Thank you very much. We'll see you um, in a moment for the Patreon stuff. Thank you very much to everyone watching. Thanks for watching our very first show. And we'll catch you next time on The Crush. Bye. Bye.